0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Olipop, delicious soda that's actually good for you. Did you know that most Americans consume more than the recommended daily intake of sugar by a lot? And sweetened drinks like soda are the leading source of extra sugar. Most of us also don't get enough fiber. And I have found a delicious answer to both of these problems. It's called Olipop. And I was so excited to find this truly healthy soda alternative. Olipop uses functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome and benefit digestive health. And it tastes just like soda without the junk. Olipop is much, much lower in sugar than conventional sodas. Their vintage cola, for instance, has just two grams of sugar compared to a regular cola that has 39. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for Wellness Mama podcast listeners. You can receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a great way to try all of their flavors and find your favorite. Go to drinkolipop.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, all caps, at checkout to claim the deal. That's drinkolipop, D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama. The discount is only valid on their variety pack, and you can find Olipop in over 3,000 stores nationwide, including Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, and Erewhon. This episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. They're a company on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean, effective products that really, really work. They've created a whole hive of products, all sourced from bee products and immune-loving essentials so that you can feel your best all day, every day. One of their products I especially love is called Bee Chill, and it's a CBD-infused honey that I love and that my kids love, and it helps them sleep. It's the ultimate combination of raw honey and hemp to help you get better R&R. And hemp is famous for its ability to help you unwind, while raw honey supports restorative sleep. As an extra tip, a small sprinkle of salt, on this honey, really, really helps improve sleep. And unlike other relaxation alternatives, you can rest better knowing that there are no worrisome side effects. You won't feel groggy the next day. And Bee Chill is completely non psychoactive. contains 0% THC. So you can enjoy it anytime, anywhere, and share it with your kids. If you're ready to give it a try, check out Beekeepers Naturals and save 15% on your first order by going to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash wellness mama. That's B E E. K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash wellness mama to save 15%. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end, my new line of personal care products. I am here today again with Dr. Mark Hyman. You've probably know of him, you've probably heard of him before, but if you haven't, he is a practicing family physician, internationally recognized leader, speaker, educator in the field of functional medicine. He is the founder and director of the Ultra Wellness Center, the head of strategy and innovation at the Cleveland Clinic for Functional Medicine, and a 13-time New York Times bestselling author. Among a laundry list of other resume items, we are here in this episode to talk about his new book in which he argues for a better dietary approach and an end to the diet wars that benefits all of us and the planet. It's called The Pegan Diet, and he makes a strong case in this episode. He also really delves into some of the roots of functional medicine, which he knows better than almost anyone in the world. So as always, it was a fun interview. I know that you will learn a lot. So let's jump in. Dr. Hyman, welcome back. You're much requested.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me again.
1: I am excited to chat with you today, especially about this topic, because I think it offers a lot of really important keys and to, to ending the diet war and to personalization. Because for years I've been saying, we have all these different dietary approaches, and we seem to argue over maybe like the 3 to 4% we don't agree on, when in reality there's so much common ground. And I think if we focus on that, There's a lot more to be learned, and I also think personalization is a big aspect, and you address both of those in your new book, which I definitely recommend. It's linked in the show notes for you guys listening, but to start broad, walk us through the impetus for this book and what The Pagan Diet is.
0: Well, you know, I've been studying nutrition for over 40 years and practicing it for over 30 as a a physician using food as medicine, and, you know, it's really uh, over the years, we've seen so many dietary trends. It was low fat and then it was, you know, l- low calorie and then it was paleo and vegan and keto and raw. And you know, it was like every diet under the sun. And it, and there was just so much controversy and confusion. Uh, and, and two things I realized. One was that, you know, there's a core set of nutritional principles that we should all be focused on that are guides for how to eat well for life. And second, um, that there's a differences in people and that as a doctor, you get very humbled by seeing real people in the office <laughs> with real issues. And, you know, somebody is dying to be a vegan and it's all in their, their framework and ideology, but their body just doesn't like it. And, and vice versa. Some people want to eat more fat and they can't because their body doesn't respond well. So it really depends on each individual. So it's really about personalization. And I was sitting on a panel once with a friend of mine who was a vegan cardiologist and another guy who was a paleo doc and they were, going back and forth at it, arguing and fighting. And I was in the middle, like a ping pong ball. And I I finally, you know, to break the ice, I said, hey, if you're paleo and you're vegan, I must be pegan. And everybody laughed and thought it was funny. And then I realized, wait a minute, they're actually identical, except for where to get to protein, animals or grains and beans. Otherwise, they both encourage whole foods and you no know, processed foods. They both encourage good fats and lots of fruit, nuts and seeds, uh, good oils and and no dairy, and you know, no industrial food. I mean, it's it's really quite quite striking how how much they're similar compared to the standard American diet. So I said, like, wait a minute, we need to just kind of back off a little bit and come up with a set of principles that's inclusive, that can be adaptable to different dietary preferences and different biological needs and individual differences. And so I sort of went down into the science and looked at what you know, what do we know, what do we not know, and, and how do we come up with a set of practical principles for reclaiming your health in a nutritionally confusing world. And that's really <laughs> about it.
1: Yeah. I think that's so important, especially that personalization aspect, because that seems to be the recurring theme. And I think we can learn so much, like you said, from all of the different approaches, but at the end of the day, I've said on this podcast so many times, we are our own primary healthcare provider. We're the ones putting food in our mouth. And you were one of the early voices really talking about food as medicine and bringing that functional medicine. Approach. Can you give us some examples of the way that food can either feed disease or feed health? I know you've, like you said, you have decades and decades of work in this space.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's obvious, right, ones where if you eat too much sugar and starch, you can get diabetes, insulin resistance, heart disease, cancer. Or if you're eating sort of uh, gluten and you have a sensitivity, you could get an autoimmune disease, or if you're having you know certain food sensitivities and migraines you can be eating eggs so that's 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 sort of one sort of obvious example but i when i think about it i think about it in a much different way you know we we know that there's basically basic components in food right protein fat carbs fiber vitamins minerals and so sort of that's sort of it right <laughs> and and the truth is there is so much more in food that is uh, regulating every single system in our body in fact you know, the plant kingdom has about twenty-five thousand in edible plants, twenty-five thousand phytochemicals that are designed to work with our biology to enhance our health and program our biology for health. So for example, you know, let's say today we're exposed to a lot of environmental toxins because of pollution, pesticides, hydrochemicals, uh, and our bodies have an increased burden of how to deal with it. Well, there are certain plants that actually help your liver detoxify, that build an important molecule called glutathione. This is something you really can't easily get from food uh, as a, you know, if you're just eating like amino acids and fatty acids and like carbohydrates and, you know, just regular stuff that we eat. And it's found in in, in these phytochemicals that are in these plant compounds like uh, broccoli or collards or kale, that whole cruciferous vegetable family, garlic and onions, and they upregulate these enzymes in the liver called uh, like glutathione peroxidase or glutathione glutathione transfers and these enzymes respond to these phytochemicals we call them glucosinolates or sulfluorophanes and they and they literally make your body get rid of the chemicals through improving the function of your liver that's just one example another one that i, I really love this is sort of a new new one that i've learned is that um you know, our immune systems age and we become we call it which means we, our immune system starts to age. And it's usually around inflammation and, and inflammatory processes that happen in the body. And it turns out that your bone marrow has stem cells that produce your white blood cells. And there's about a million produced every single minute. <laughs> and that's a lot of white blood cells. And those those white blood cells have to be you know healthy in order for you to be healthy but what happens often the injury in the stem cells from poor diet and stress and toxins and so forth is that these stem cells will be injured and then they'll produce abnormal white blood cells and those are called chips and they go in the circulation they they and then they become known as zombie cells that you know are literally what they sound they don't die and they just make you sick and they cause inflammation they cause heart disease autoimmunity well it turns out there's there's a whole host of phytochemicals in plants that are effective against these zombie cells, uh, and one of the unique plants is called Himalayan tartary buckwheat, and it's sort of an example of how food is medicine. Where you you think you know if you grow uh, like sor- soy or corn, these monocrop fields where you know they're basically chemically grown through pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers, and there's almost no nutrients in the soil, and they don't have harsh conditions, and they're, they're sort of like coddled in a sense. <laughs> and when you look at these Himalayan tartary buckwheat, it was grown in a wild you know like himalayan environment where there's barely any water and it's high altitude and it's cold and and there's drought and there's like you know bad soil and they, these things just thrive and it, it creates a, a, a whole host of defense mechanisms that are these phytochemicals in the plant and you know there's there's many of them one of them's called rudin or Corsetin, aspirin, other flavonoids, and, and there's 132 plus of these, some of them are over 100 times potent, more potent than you find in any other plant. And it turns out that these, these buckwheat derived, like sort of phytochemicals, are amazing at killing these zombie cells and have helping you rejuvenate your immune system, which is kind of really cool. So that's just another example. And I could literally go through every basic system in the body the gut, the immune system your energy system, detoxification, your hormones, your structural system, and how food literally makes us do all the functions that our body does. It's the most important drug we we consume every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that point. And I think about that too, when people doubt how big of an impact food can have, but yet they'll take and ibuprofen and expect it to relieve pain. And it's this tiny amount. Um, Just, I mean, food is, I, I agree with you. It's the most dramatic thing we can do. You also mentioned insulin resistance. And certainly there's been a lot more talk about insulin resistance and also about the glucose equation in general. And even um, it seems like continuous glucose monitors are getting more popular and more widespread right now. But walk us through insulin resistance. We know that that's connected to certain types of chronic disease. But for anyone who's not familiar, what is that and how do we deal with it?
0: Well, you know this is basically the most common condition affecting Americans and increasingly the world right now. We have 88% of Americans that have been determined to be metabolically unhealthy, according to the uh, you know government testing and surveys that are done regularly. That's striking to me because 75% of us are overweight. That means about half of the skinny people are also metabolically unhealthy. <laughs> and the question is why? Uh, and it, it has to do with the mountains of starch and sugar we eat every day, about a pound a day per person. That's a lot. And now what that does is that drives up this hormone called insulin that's trying to get the blood sugar down as you start eating all the starch and sugar because you know if you need flour if you eat a bagel or if you eat a piece of cake or if you have a coca-cola and a, and a piece of bread they're they're identical in fact the bread might be worse in terms of its glycemic load so the key is really to to understand that that when the insulin goes high at your body then drives all the stored fat all of circulating i mean uh, fuel in your blood into the fat cells it makes them very inflamed, it produces all sorts of hormones, it makes you hungry, it slows your metabolism, it locks the fat in the fat cells. So it's really, creates this vicious cycle where all you do is pack on the weight in the belly and keep going in this vicious circle and end up with a condition often known as pre-diabetes or, you know, ultimately type 2 diabetes, but you don't even have to have any of that in order to actually have all these metabolic issues. And it makes you, you know, hungry and tired and crave sugar and carbs and have resistance to weight loss because as long as your insulin is high, the fat is locked away. It cannot get out. It's really, really tough to get it out. So you have to drop the insulin in order for you to actually lose weight. And that is really done by eating more fat and less starch and sugar and more protein and lots of vegetables and basically following the pegan diet.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. So the other thing I think it's important to delve into is there are all these different dietary approaches. You've touched on a couple of them And certainly there's a lot of heated debate amongst them right now. Things like the keto diet, autoimmune, paleo, carnivore seems to be a big part of the conversation right now. Can you explain how your protocol differs from those? And if there's any similarities or overlap, we can learn from those.
0: Well, you know, I mean, listen, if carnivore diets work because not necessarily they're eating meat, but because they're not eating everything else, that's making them sick, right? (laughs) If they're not eating sugar and additives and processed food and, gluten, and dairy, and grains, and beans, and all the things that potentially can trigger people, that's why you'll see these benefits. And you'll see the short-term. People go from like a traditional American diet, or standard American diet, to a, a vegan diet, or to a paleo diet, whatever whatever it is, the people will do better. But it's a question of what happens over time. And I think that, uh, you know, that there, the reason I wrote the vegan diet book was because there are principles that we can all agree on. I mean, we all agree we should be eating more Whole foods. We all agree we should be not eating processed foods. We all agree we shouldn't be loading up on a pound of starch and sugar per person per day. We all agree we should, I mean, 98% of us now agree we should be eating more good fats like olive oil, avocados, nuts and seeds. We all agree we should be, uh, you know, if we're eating animals, right, and, and and some don't believe we should, but if we are, then we should be raising them humanely. We should be using regenerative practices so that we restore the earth. We should be you know, not uh, having we should be having grass-finished or pasture-raised animals that are actually able to forage and get the nutrients they need from the food and, and the earth, and not and not be pumped full of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides. We all agree that we should be you know eating in a way that that optimizes the nutrient density of our food, and the food is medicine. So there's this whole series of things that we all agree on, and the question is, how do we achieve that? And within each, you know, in each diet philosophy, there are are ways to to sort of approximate more because you can be a chips and soda vegan, right, or you can be a burgers and fries carnivore, i mean, paleo doctor, paleo, paleo person. So I think I think you just have to kind of figure out what is nutrient density, what is nutrient quality, how do you pick food as medicine, whatever you're eating. And so in the book, I do go through like, well, okay, you know, what about dairy, for example? Is nature's perfect food? No, most of the dairy we have is from homogenous cows that are all bred to be identical produce high levels of what we call a1 casein in their milk which is very inflammatory uh, and cause lots of digestive issues and and you know there are other forms of dairy that, whether goat and sheep that have a2 casein or there are heirloom cows that have a2 casein they may be better tolerated of course you want grass-finished, you don't want the milk when pregnant, you know, because a lot of organic cows are still milk when pregnant and full of hormones. So there's a whole series of things you have to think about with each food that you're eating. And so in the Pegan Diet book, I go through like, well, if you're going to eat nuts, which one? If you're going to have grains, which one? I mean, do you want the hybridized, high-starch, high-gluten grain wheat that we grow in America, or do you want more heirloom wheats or other wheat that they may grow in in Europe if you're not gluten-sensitive? So I think there's... There's a nuance to how to do that. And then there's some really simple sort of guides around some of the big controversies. What about, uh, cleansings and fasted, fasting? What about time restricted eating and, and various practices like that? What about eating for longevity or for mood or for uh, what, how to feed your kids? <laughs> there's all sorts of really practical stuff in the book that allows, uh, people to sort of to, to, to kind of walk away. Going, okay. I get it's like a basic owner's manual for the body. I mean, if, if you have, a, if you have a body, you probably, you know, I need to know how it works. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and most of us have no clue. We're more with a little instruction manual slapped to our leg. Uh, we have to kind of figure it out. So how do you eat for your microbiome? How do you personalize nutrition? How do you eat like a regenitarian? Which means how do you eat to help save the planet and your health? Um, um, why might meat be medicine? You know, like there's some really interesting provocative things in there. How do you, Uh, in a way that you can afford it, like how you make it affordable. So I think there's a really simple book, but it's also, it's it's been a lot of years of research to get to this point. So it's sort of taking all that I've known and crystallizing it down into this really simple, digestible, practical set of principles that you can follow. They're not dogma, they're not rules, and they can be adapted to any dietary preference or taste.
1: Yeah, I like that, that they're not dogmatic and they're not rules. I think there's been a trend to go overly dogmatic in some of these approaches for a while. And my thought has always been at the end of the day, we want metabolic flexibility. Of course, we want to give our body good inputs whenever possible, but we also want it to be able to handle variation when it needs to. And so when you overly get overly dogmatic in one approach and never have any variation, your body is so smart, it adapts to that. And then you don't have the metabolic flexibility as easily necessarily when you need it. I also love that you mentioned the planet and the regenerative side, because I think this is also a really important part of the conversation right now and where some of the debate stems from. Certainly, I know many vegans who I respect their reasons for why they've chosen to eat that way because they are wanting to help the planet. They think it's also very healthy for them, but I think the climate and planet environmental piece is really important. Like you said, what we eat does not just affect us. I know this can get a little controversial, but walk us through the planet impact side and- we hear things from you know like that eating meat is bad for the planet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, look. I mean, growing rice is uh, the largest agricultural mirror of, I think, uh, methane <laughs> because of the off gassing from the ba- rice paddies. Uh, and, and I think we just get kind of a realistic view of of what we know, what we don't know, and often arguments um, you know become simplified. Right, meat bad, vegetables good uh and i think well, we we just have to take a step back and look at you know how do we build agricultural ecosystems that provide food that's the most nutritious that supports farmers livelihoods that restores soil conserves water increases biodiversity is not just sustainable uh which you know we don't want to sustain what we have <laughs> we want we want to regenerate ecosystems we want to and we want to grow food in ways that regenerates human health uh, and uh i think that's what the whole book is about and and i think that is is each section talks about how do we focus on how to do that but principle nine is really about eating like a vegetarian and we most people don't realize is that we think you know it's all a factory farming animals. it's not necessarily i mean just even how we we grow food any food in this country we use massive amounts of of agrochemicals we use hybridized seeds we use massive tillage and destroys the soil we use irrigation, and uh, and all chemicals we use actually destroy the natural habitats and ecosystems for animals and pollinators. We've lost 75% of our pollinators, for example, half of all our bird species because of agriculture in America. And we've lost, you know, because of the nitrogen runoff, 212,000 metric tons of fish in the Gulf of Mexico a year, which is an enormous amount of fish uh, because of the dead zones as the nitrogen, you know, basically fertilizes all the algae, which sucks the oxygen out of the water and all the fish suffocate i mean it's, it's pretty gruesome because of our agricultural system um you know third of all the carbon in the atmosphere comes from the soil uh it's been tilled and and destroyed because of our farming techniques uh, and we we have uh you know incredible uses of fresh water that are depleted around the world because of this so it's all this vicious cycle and i think that when people don't realize is that uh, you know we're running out of soil and we got to focus on that and the only way to really build soil is through these techniques that have been used over the years for many different farmers but are now being sort of talked about as a holistic approach which include you know regenerative agriculture defined as no no tillage of the soil so you don't break the soil up and kill the organic matter that sucks the carbon out of the atmosphere you you uh, keep cover crops on so you don't leave the f- fields f- bare, bare or fallow you do crop rotations to fertilize different nutrients into the soil uh, you integrate animals into the into the ecosystem because the animals are the the sort of glue that makes it all work and work fast you get high levels of manure urine saliva all stimulating plant growth and and and, and nutrient um, deposition of the soil and so you get this incredible ecosystem that's sort of a virtuous cycle and that produces more food better food uh, makes it's more profitable for the farmers better for us and better for the planet and it turns out you know depending on who you Listen to in the statistics and not everybody agrees obviously but you know it's been estimated that you know third to half of all greenhouse gases come from our food system right from soil erosion from deforestation from food waste from factory farming animals and so forth but that if you actually were to sort of shift everything back to regenerative agriculture even not even everything but like the UN says if we took two out of the five million hectares of degraded land around the world and we 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 turn into regenerative agriculture, which would basically cost a tenth of what America spends on diabetes and obesity in get <laughs> like it just a tenth in a year. Uh we would we would be able to stop climate change for twenty years uh by you know and, and you know, people say, Well, I just eat vegetables, but you can't grow crops on forty percent of the agricultural land. It's only really through the use of, of animals that can upgrade undigestible, like, you know, millions of tons of undigestible grasses and foods. They have all these stomachs, and they convert into incredibly nutrient-dense uh, food product for us, which is protein. And and so the you know, and, and doing it in the right way can actually restore these lands and, and help with, with environmental destruction, and climate change, and ecological collapse all the things we're facing now so agriculture is really a key solution and so how do you eat more like a vegetarian? well your choices matter i mean you should shop locally and eat organic when you can shop at the farmer's market it can be smart agriculture look for the new regenerative organic certified label it's starting to be on on uh, food which involves three areas soil health animal welfare and social fairness which is all good just have a compost pile don't throw out your food in uh, your scraps in the in the garbage because they rot and they end up you know causing methane production it's three times that of cows uh, because of off gassing from from um, these these landfills. So there's really some simple principles, and more and more we'll be able to do this. But uh, I think no one can disagree with becoming a regenitarian. It's sort of like being against mom and apple pie and you know <laughs> football in this country.
1: Certainly, Yeah, we all need to be aware of the planet we share. And I think this is a great time of year to highlight things like composting or start a garden, even if it's just on your porch and you can contain a garden. There's so many ways that you can be more involved intimately with your food supply. And like you said, supporting local farms and local farmers, um, any kind of local agriculture that's great for the economy. And it's also great, more nutrient dense because you're getting fresher food. This podcast is sponsored by alibop Delicious soda that's actually good for you. Did you know that most Americans consume more than the recommended daily intake of sugar? By a lot. And sweetened drinks like soda are the leading source of extra sugar. Most of us also don't get enough fiber. And I have found a delicious answer to both of these problems. It's called Olipop. And I was so excited to find this truly healthy soda alternative. Olipop uses functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome and benefit digestive health, and it tastes just like soda without the junk. Olipop is much, much lower in sugar than conventional sodas. Their vintage cola, for instance, has just two grams of sugar compared to a regular cola that has 39. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for Wellness Mama podcast listeners. You can receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a great way to try all of their flavors and find your favorite. Go to drinkolipop.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, all caps, at checkout to claim the deal. That's drinkolipop, D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama. The discount is only valid on their variety pack, and you can find Olipop in over 3,000 stores nationwide, including Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, and Air One. This episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. They're a company on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean, effective products that really, really work. They've created a whole hive of products, all sourced from bee products and immune-loving essentials so that you can feel your best all day, every day. One of their products I especially love is called Bee Chill. And it's a CBD infused honey that I love and that my kids love and it helps them sleep. It's the ultimate combination of raw honey and hemp to help you get better R&R. And hemp is famous for its ability to help you unwind while raw honey supports restorative sleep. As an extra tip, a small sprinkle of salt on this honey really really helps improve sleep and unlike other relaxation alternatives you can rest better knowing that there are no worrisome side effects you won't feel groggy the next day and Bee chill is completely non-psychoactive it contains zero percent thc so you can enjoy it anytime anywhere and share it with your kids if you're ready to give it a try check out beekeepers naturals and save 15 percent on your first order by going to beekeepersnaturals.com naturals.com forward slash wellness mama that's b-e-e K E E P E R S N A T U R A L S dot com slash wellness mama to save 15%. Another thing I think it's really important to delve into after this past year, certainly 2020 was a rough year for many people. Um, the memes abound about just how rough it was. But I've learned myself over the last couple of years and really seen firsthand just how drastically your mental state can affect your physical health. And of course, it goes the other way as well. Um, What you eat and what you put in your body can also affect your mental health. It's a very important cycle. So walk us through, for people who are struggling and have had a tough year and maybe are working through depression or anxiety, how can we use food as medicine and to our advantage when it comes to that?
0: Well, you know, one of the challenges we really... Think of our emotions and our mental health is somehow completely independent of our physical health. <laughs> and it's just nonsense. Uh, in fact, your your thoughts and your mood and your energy are all related to your biological health. And yes, you know there is a mind body effect that's profound. But there's also a body mind effect and i wrote about this in my book ultra mind solution decades ago i mean it feels like decades ago probably 15 years ago and the the premise of the book was that was that all that we do influences our brain and our brain is part of our body it's just another organ and if we if we treat it right we'll have a good brain if we don't we won't and turns out that our diet which is you know full of sugar starch refined oils processed foods is extremely damaging to our brains and it causes inflammation in the brain and it turns out that inflammation in the brain is uh, what's causing all the dysfunction that we see whether it's depression or alzheimer's or autism or add these are these are states of brain inflammation and so the question is what's causing it well it's primarily our diet too much of the things we shouldn't be eating right sugar starch refined oils processed foods inflammatory foods and not enough of the foods that we should be eating, whole foods, real food, good fats. And often just doing a, a reset diet can profoundly affect people. I, I had this one woman come up to me and after three days she was on um the Daniel Plan, which is a faith-based wellness program, based on the same principles essentially. And she did an elimination diet. And at the six week event, she came up to me and she says, Doctor Hyman, I I've been out of psychiatric hospitals all my life. I've been I've been, uh, you know, struggling with my marriage. I'm about to get fired from my job. and My life is falling apart. I, I, I'm depressed all the time. I'm, I'm, you know, she was like 100 pounds overweight. <laughs> it was just like, it was bad. And she said, Is it possible after three days my depression could go away? I mean, this is someone who's been on every medication in and out of psychiatric hospitals simply by changing her diet. And after, you know, three months, six weeks, she was a different person. She lost 40 pounds. She felt amazing. She really had this awakening that, you know, food and mood are so connected. And so whether it's depression or anxiety, whether it's things like, you know, ADD or even behavioral issues, uh, we see just tremendous uh, impact, learning, focus, attention. I mean, the CDC put a report out on nutrition and, and children and their academic performance. And it's just so clear that these kids are so, so struggling to focus and pay attention when they go to school with a bag of Doritos and a can of Coke in the morning or nothing. And, and so, of course, they're going to have trouble with academic performance and success in life and, you know, rela- I mean, everything just gets, kind of goes haywire. And then on the on the other side, not just learning but behavior, uh, we know that, that in prisons, if you give prisoners healthy food, that their violent crime goes down in prison by 56%, and even a multivitamin goes down, goes down by 80%, because they're so nutritionally deficient. And we see this in juvenile detention centers. You can get 91% reduction in violent behavior within, within those groups by simply giving these kids real food. Like 75% lower restraint use, 100% lower risk of suicide. I mean, think about it. It's thirdly third leading cause of death in that group. If <laughs> You know... It, if there was a drug that could reduce suicide by 100%, it would be a trillion-dollar drug, right? And yet it's food. So I think we really need to take this seriously and, and understand that we, our, we're our diet is not only killing us physically, but killing us emotionally.
1: Absolutely. And we've probably all felt the difference in a day when you don't have those factors optimized, you don't maybe get enough sleep, which means your blood sugar is not going to be as dialed as, in as it could be, or you just don't get nutrient-dense food and kind of that draggy, sluggish feeling versus the days when your brain is on and everything's lined up. And the beauty of that, like you say, and you explain really well in the book, is you can optimize for that every day. And it's the great thing is it is a snowball. When you optimize for that, you feel better than you want to continue doing those things and it gets so much easier and easier over time. I mean, you certainly make a compelling case. If someone wants to get started, obviously they should order the book, but what what are the other starting points? Where can someone jump in if they are struggling from some of these chronic illnesses or maybe depression and anxiety or just realizing they need to maybe upgrade their food choices. Where do they start?
0: Well that's a great question. You brought up a lot of different things there about, you know, just getting healthy, losing weight, dealing with chronic disease. And the beautiful thing about it, it's not it's not like you need a different treatment for every problem, although there are some subtleties. But just swapping out all the junk for real food and upgrading your health, I call it the science of creating health as opposed to the science of treating disease, which is what most of medicine is about. And For me, by simply learning the science of creating health, which just starts with food, a lot of these problems just go away. I mean, uh, I just tell you a quick story and then also talk about how to get started. This is what this, this one, one patient did. She did something that I would talk about in the, in the book called the 10 day reset, which is like, it's a 10 day reset where you hit the, you know, the reset button, sort of like turning your body back to its original factory settings and seeing what's, what's just because of what you're eating and what's actually some structural problem or some deeper issue like Lyme disease or metals or something else. And this woman came to our program at Cleveland Clinic called Functioning for Life, which is a group shared medical appointment. And she decided to do the, this program. And it was essentially, like I said, the 10-day reset. Within three days, she was on, she was on insulin for 10 years diabetic. She was two hundred and fifty pounds and five foot probably. Uh, so she, her body mass index was forty three, normal is twenty five or less, and thirty or more is obese. So she was in the extreme obese category. She had heart failure, she had high blood pressure, she had kidneys were starting to fail, her liver was starting to fail, and a host of other issues, and she was paying twenty grand a year for copays for her medication. Within three days she was off her insulin In three days three months she was off all her medications and her heart failure, diabetes blood pressure all normalized after a year. She lost 116 pounds and is a completely different person. And I think, you know, when you see someone who goes from eating the worst diet to the healthy whole foods vegan diet or for her was, you know, reset, it, it really can be profound. So I'm not saying it's going to fix everybody in the same way. It depends on what the cause is. But food is usually a big part of it. And so I encourage people if they want to get started is, you know, either just simply by swapping out real whole foods for all the other stuff. So just don't anything that has ingredients you don't recognize or, or two, you know, one of the things often is really, really great for people is, is to do a, is to do a 10 day reset, is to actually give themselves a chance to, to feel what it feels like to, to be really fully you know, cleaned out essentially. It's just getting rid of all the junk, and it's it's, a, it's a, getting rid of all the common allergens. You know, but it's it's really pretty simple. So you know, I have it at principle twenty. Want to start the peak and diet today, and, and try to make it pretty straightforward. But I I, I joke. I see it's, it's just a few simple things. One, you know, ask yourself a simple question: Did God or nature, if you don't believe in God, make this, or did man make it? You know, did God make an avocado? Yeah. Did he make a Twinkie? No. It's a pretty simple choice about what to eat. Uh, <laughs> and if you do that, you, you can't go wrong. The second is um, don't eat foods with labels. I mean, yes, you can eat foods with labels, but read the label, right? So if, if it says tomatoes, water, and salt, that's fine. If it says you know aspartame, maltodextrin, and butylated hydroxytoluene, and you know monoglycerides and emulsifiers and carrageenan and xanthan gum and all this other stuff, don't eat it. <laughs> I mean, if you can't pronounce, if you wouldn't have the thing in your cupboard, right? If you wouldn't have like butylated hydroxy toluene, you sprinkle on your salad dressing, then don't eat it. It's probably probably in almost all the processed food weed. It's BHT. It's a preservative. And, you know, when you go in the grocery store, stick around the edges, don't go down the aisles. That's where the bad stuff is. There's some things that are like oils and nuts and seeds. And eat mostly plants. Like that's Michael Pollan said, and I agree with him. Meat is not a main dish, it's a side dish. I mean, I think for most of us uh, growing up, it's like a giant piece of meat in the middle of a plate, three string beans and a potato. But I think we really need to swap it around and, you know, put vegetables at 75% of the plate with a small piece of protein, palm size of your hand. And lots of good fats every day. Uh, avocados olive oil stay away from the refined oils include some of the superfoods like we talked about like the phytochemical rich foods and uh, you know dairy i'm not a big fan but if you're having dairy sheep and goat are okay you know if you're eating grains you know stick with the gluten-free grains if you can if you're eating nuts and seeds and beans you know there's ones that are better for you and just basically enjoy life you know like don't don't be crazy you can do the 90-10 rule i mean those like dr m do you ever cheat well yeah I have ice cream and I have cookies, but I make sure they're made from real ingredients. I usually don't have dairy ice cream, but I have my, might have like coconut ice cream or uh, other other sorbets or things like that. So I will, but I think it's really about choosing stuff that you, you've made real anyway. So it's not just a, a dessert made from a bunch of chemicals or weird stuff, uh, or, but it's actually something that I, I know what it is. So it's still a whole real food. It's just more of a treat. Uh, so that's sort of the, the basic way I would get started. But I think if people really want to get going, the 10-day reset is powerful. And you can learn more about it at GetPharmacy.com. G-E-T-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y
1: with an F. I'll make sure that is linked as well as a lot of your other resources. You have so, so many. And I love your point about the reset. I love the the quote that every almost everything can fix itself if you just unplug it for a little while, including us. Like sometimes yes. you just need to reset and unplug and give your body a chance and, and realize our body's innate wisdom. It wants to get to a state of health. Very often, like you said, we just have to get out of its way and stop giving it the negative inputs. It, it wants to be healthy and it knows how to get there. We just have to work with it, not against it. And that process can often be easier than we expect. And you let, um, explain that so well in this book. Like you mentioned in the beginning, you've been in this field for literally decades and I have found so many of your resources and your books really impactful, and I think this one, of course, continues the trend. So highly recommend it for all of you guys listening. And speaking of books, I know I've asked this of you before on on podcasts, but I'm always looking for new recommendations. So besides your own, are there any recent books that have been really impactful or profound for you?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, the world is kind of a crazy place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm um, you know, like everybody else trying to make sense of it, and I, I've been enjoying this book called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century by Yuval Harari, who's a historian, I'm trying to give some historical context to what's going on in the world right now because it's it's a lot, and so I, I've really been enjoying that. So that's, that's my sort of uh, favorite one for now.
1: Perfect. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Second, that recommendation, it's a good one, and Dr. Hammond, I know just how busy you are running everything that you run helping all the people that you help and i'm so grateful for you being here again today and sharing your valuable time with us
0: of course thank you so much for having me
1: and thank you guys as always for listening for sharing your most valuable resources your time and your energy with us today we're so grateful that you did and i hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the wellness mama podcast if you're enjoying these interviews would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on itunes for me